Welcome to Growth, the podcast dedicated to growth and empowerment. I am Aileen, your host, advocating for entrepreneurship, leadership, and professional development. We invite you to listen and take part in conversations that empower and experiences of success that inspire. So that starts affecting like how we accept ourselves too, right? And how we love ourselves. Because if we're constantly wanting to be something else, or if we want to be someone else, like it's never going to end up with us actually loving ourselves as we are, right? Like if we're constantly trying to lose, you know, five, 10 pounds, we're never going to accept ourselves as we are. And we're always trying to achieve this goal. Hello, good morning, dear Lynn. How's your day going so far? <laughs> My day is going really well. I've done all of the things that I plan to do, um, and now I'm here with you. Yes, so thank you very much for being here today. We're excited to learn about you, what the work, uh, the work you do, and self-love and body acceptance. Yay! So let's get started. Awesome. <laughs> so can you share a little bit about your personal journey and how you became a body acceptance self-love coach? It was a long journey, I'll be honest, right? So I didn't even know that this was an option, right? Like to be a coach, number one, but also then to work around the topics around body acceptance and self-love. My background is mostly in corporate. So I was a banker at one point. And before that, I was working at the stock exchange in Toronto. Um, so none of that really was like, it it didn't really speak to me. Right. So it got to a point in my life when I was just, what is it that I want? Because I'm not happy right now. Why am I getting up in the morning? Why am I not excited? Um, what brings me joy? Because it's not spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) For some people it is, but for me, mm, so I, I really operated from a place of, um, uh, of yeah, lack of joy. And also, you know, the fear of being discovered that I had no idea what I was doing because in all honesty, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Like I studied psychology and like, what was I doing in banking? What was I doing in risk management? And then, so I made the decision to basically change my life. Like I quit my job, you know, quit the stability of working at a bank in Germany of all countries. Right. Like very stable. Very serious. And, and very serious. And I decided to just take a year off and just figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and that started, you know, my journey to where I am now, where um, there was, I remember this pivotal moment where I was like, you know, almost having a panic attack because I was in this stage where I had gotten rid of this banker persona. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what what I was without it. Yeah. I didn't want to be a banker, but who was I without this, right? So it was just like, oh no, I'm starting to panic. And so that's when I de- decided that I, you know I needed I needed support, I needed help. So that's when I started doing therapy. Um, and from there, like I just realized like the impact and the profoundness of of having someone 
um, basically facilitate finding who I was. Um, and from there, you know, I had another job that didn't work out and I had made this decision finally to actually get training for, to become a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I started this journey. Um, originally, you know, just getting general training as a transformational coach and then, you know, working with different topics with different clients and seeing what came up for me. And I was listening to another podcast actually, and I stumbled upon this whole idea of like intuitive eating mm -hmm. And the principles all spoke to me and I was just so excited about it. Like I remember listening to it in the morning and then like in the night before going to bed, actually in bed, I was still thinking about this concept and went on the website um, of these two dietitians who had created it. And I was like, oh, I can I can actually learn more about this stuff and actually become a counselor so that I can help people around these principles. And so this is what really started my, my journey to becoming body, a body acceptance coach, right? Because one of the principles is like respecting your body. Yep. And um, yeah, the more work I did around that, the more I realized that it's includes so many things. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did a lot of work around like, you know, anti-diet mm -hmm. culture, like, you know, the anti-diet mindset, because our society is so infiltrated with, oh, yeah. you know, diet culture. 100%. Yeah. And so the more work I did around that, it was like, oh, it's not just dieting that affects how we perceive ourselves and how we love ourselves. It's so many other things too, right? Like, you know, other things that come into play. Like I'm um, a Chinese woman who grew up in a predominantly white uh, town in, in Canada. And that affected how I saw myself as well. Right. And so the more I do this work, the more I realize that there are so many different aspects that come into play. Yeah, I love that. And then um, going back to how you have to, in a way, reinvent yourself to find your own identity, right? Because you're like, okay, yeah. yes, I'm coming from this background, but who am I? And I think that's a process that a lot of people go through here in Berlin. Because mm -hmm. you, I mean, you're new. We're not from here. We're trying to see what the opportunity, what opportunities are out there. So yeah. you have to be like, also kind of following the trends and what's trendy at the moment, what could be profitable as well. And yeah, I just love to hear that um, regarding everyone's journey. Mm -hmm. So to my second question, so food is my love language. This is a lovely section <laughs> <laughs> in your website. I just love how you explain that food should be a source of pleasure and joy mm -hmm. rather than a shame of guilt. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on this insight for our listeners? Ah, <laughs> food should be a separate love yes. language, right? Like yes, <laughs> for so many of us, especially um, for us immigrants slash expats, right? Like when we're away from home, like food is what mm. grounds us. Oh, food yes. is what brings us back to mm -hmm. ourselves and what we grew up with. Um, so for me, food is love. Like my parents growing up, would always feed us like I don't know about you but whenever I call my parents it's always like have you eaten yet <laughs> you know like I I always assumed it was like a Chinese thing but I kind of feel like it's not like I feel like it's very like international right have you eaten yet um and I grew up in you know my parents um they fled the Vietnam War and moved to Canada um and so they were very like eastern minded right and so but I grew up in a very western environment. Mm. And so my parents never said, I love you ever, ever mm. never gave us hugs. You know, like when I saw my friends, like, I'd be like, what? Like, <laughs> like 
I'm I'm not <laughs> yeah like I'm not loved like my parents don't love me but then as I grew older I was just like actually no they just show love in a different way so when I go home you know like doesn't matter how tired my parents are it doesn't matter how late it is they will make a f- like three or four course meal right like and it's just this is what love is. Or, you know, when I was living back home um, and I would go and visit my family and then I would go back to Toronto, which is where I lived, like they would always send heaps of food. Right. And, you know, and then I could freeze it and I can eat it whenever. And like, that's how they show their love. And so for me, it's such a source of pleasure, Mm -hmm. love, joy. Um, But when I talk to people who, especially people who have, you know, dieted for a good portion of their lives, there isn't that same association. In fact, it's associated with a lot of shame and guilt because there's a lot of, you know, restriction. Like I can't eat this. And if I do like, you know, I'm a bad person or I failed, you know, like all of these associations that come with it. Um, And so, you know, when you're eating your food with a side of shame and guilt, it's, it's a totally different experience, right? You're not actually fully engaged with your food. You're not present with your food. Um, and in fact, you, you know, chastise yourself and it's totally the opposite, um, the, the opposite experience I feel when it comes to food. So just like raising that awareness, right? Yeah, yeah 100%. And I think being so far away from home, you definitely need something that brings you back to who you are, to what you like, your flavors, your mm. everything. Everything. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter where I live in the world. I'm like, okay, find me an Asian grocery store so I can buy my sriracha, yes, <laughs> my Laogan Ma, same, same. <laughs> you know. Of course, for me, one of the main things was to find the good taco place here in Berlin. Is there and a good I, taco place yes, in Berlin? Yes, yes, Great. I'm so grateful for Loso Taqueria. We have the best tacos. Maybe we should go after this. Is this <laughs> the one that's in Pfefferberg? Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's mm. delicious. So, yeah, 100% I understand. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, drooling now. Yes, I'm like, ah. <laughs> so, um, we touch a little bit of on uh, intuitive eating. Mm. So, how is it different from, like, traditional diets or, like, eating plans? <laughs> so intuitive eating, I mean, you know, you can kind of guess from the name, right? Like it's tapping into your intuition. Um, so a lot of diet plans, a lot of meal plans, they all come from an external source. Mm-hmm. So let's say you go to a di- dietitian or a nutritionist, like they'll often ask you what your objectives are. And then, you know, they'll talk about your, I don't know, um, allergies and your sensitivities. And yeah, they'll give you a plan. Um And diets especially, there's always like all of these restrictions, you know, there's all of these, you can't do this, um, you can't eat at this hour, you can't eat more than that. Like, it's just all of these external, um, like external sources, essentially. And so intuitive eating is basically coming back to the self. It's coming back to your body and tapping into what your body needs. Right. Like there is no way that a dietitian or someone who created this diet will know what you need. Exactly. Right. Because like what are your like exercises? What do you do during the day? Are you more active? Are you sedentary? Like it's all different for everyone. And also biologically, our bodies are all set up differently. And so there's no way that there's like a one size fits all meal plan. Mm-hmm. And so into um, intuitive eating really just comes back to the body and listening to what the body needs. So. Um, 
internal signals like hunger signs. Are you satisfied with your food? Like that will play a huge role in it. If you're eating something that's not satisfying for you, you are going to be seeking something that is right. And so then you're going to be eating way more than you should um, or that your body like actually wants. Um, are you paying attention to fullness, for example? Like that's another signal that our bodies are constantly telling us, but sometimes we disregard it, right? Like I remember growing up and mom and dad were always like, oh no, you need to finish your meal. Like, you know, you, gra- you grabbed all of this food. It's on your plate. You have to finish it because those children in Africa, oh my God. you know, <laughs> right? Like, and yeah. I hear this all the time. Like, so it wasn't just me. And there's this guilt that like, oh, if I don't finish this and those poor kids in Africa, <laughs> you know, and then, and really like you're punishing yourself, like you're eating past fullness. You feel really uncomfortable and bloated and gassy. And, you know, like it's just not a good time. Yeah. Like there's a good point where you can stop and you feel comfortable and you're satisfied. Um, so it's listening to your body and really um, not having any restrictions. Right. Because when you have restrictions, Maylin, if someone tells you, hey, girl, I'm having tacos. Yeah. (laughs) You can't have tacos. No. (laughs) Exactly. You're going to be like, watch me. I'm going to scarf this down. I'm going to use as many as I can. I eat them. Right. And then sometimes this kind of food, I mean, going back to the topic that our Mm -hmm. food, right, it's it doesn't it just goes to your soul, to your heart, to your mind. Yes. I love this. I love that you pointed this out because oftentimes people think of their physical health. So they think of like, oh, what's nutritious? I'm going to have salads and like chicken breast and, you know, all of these things that we've been told that is good for us. But what we don't consider are that there are other types of health, Mm -hmm. right? Mental health, for example. So like if you're having a shit day, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can edit that out if, if I'm not allowed to swear. Um, if you're having a bad day um, and, you know, you want, you want uh, like, I don't know, a bag of chips or like a bar of chocolate, Just you know, eat, them, right? eat yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. Enjoy it. Like if it soothes you. But the only prerequisite to that is be intentional with it. Oh, yeah. Right. Like don't do it as an automatic thing, because then then, you know, we can kind of we're not tapping into ourselves anymore. We're just doing something that's automatic and we're not paying attention to actually how we feel when we're actually enjoy, like, you know, eating this. Are we enjoying it? Are we feeling guilty? Are we beating ourselves up? Because if we're beating ourselves up, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose, yeah, right? Yeah. So tapping a little bit onto that automatic um, place. Mm. So we were, last time we were talking about how emotional eating, it's a challenge for many, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we eat subconsciously when we feel under stress or receiving a new task like i mentioned mm-hmm. or something that you just feel like you just have to eat for some reason mm. so how does intuitive eating help people address this emotional um, eating so yes one of the principles of intuitive eating is around your emotions mm-hmm. um it's really important First of all, it's important to take a step back and to understand why you're eating. Like, are we hungry? Like, are we actually biologically hungry? Um, there are other reasons why we would eat, right? Like, if if you have an event in the evening and it's like you during your usual dinner time and you know that after the event, if you haven't eaten, you're probably going to get be really, really hungry and really, you know, really ravenous. Um, so, you know, you might choose to eat a little bit beforehand so that it kind of staves off the hunger a little bit. So there's the identifying the hunger, um, but then also identifying 
if I'm not biologically hungry, what is it that I'm feeling right now? Like, what am I actually needing right now? Because emotions, especially uncomfortable emotions are signs that something isn't being met. Like one of your needs is not being met. Right. Um, so it's really taking a step back and really just asking yourself, okay, what am I feeling? Like, am I feeling stressed? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling annoyed? Am I feeling happy? Um, and then asking yourself, okay, is it food that I really want? Or is there something else that can actually help me alleviate these feelings? So for example, like when I was working at the bank, like I would eat all the time. Like I was always eating, like there was always something in my mouth. And when I took a step back, like later on, after I quit the job, I, you know, reflected and I was just like, why was I eating all the time? Cause it turns out that I didn't need all that food. Yeah. And it was like, exactly. <laughs> mental health and also I was just stressed all the time like I didn't know what I was doing I was like you know like also bored because you know spreadsheets really like every every month um and so I was basically dealing with these feelings through food because it was a distraction and so if I actually really stopped and and considered what it is that I needed in that moment like if I was stressed you know what would have been more helpful probably talk to my boss or go for a walk, talk to a colleague, actually, you know, try to see if they understood the issue so that they could provide more guidance instead of me sitting at my desk, like, just like, oh, what am I going to do? You know? So, yeah, it's, um, and I mean, like, and I recognize too that like in moments of stress, especially like the last thing you're going to want to do is just what am I feeling right now? Yeah. (laughs) Or eat a salad, right? Like it takes practice to be able to take that step back and not react right away with whatever, you know, whatever our um, behavior normally is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now uh, talking a little bit of the intersectionality of Mm self-love, can you you explain the concept uh, and how can different aspects connect or influence this relationship within our yeah. So, you know, I briefly mentioned earlier that, you know, um, with my work with diet culture and raising awareness about the effects of diet culture, um, initially my work was around this idea that we needed to be thin, to to have worth, to be healthy, to be desired, all of this stuff, right? Um, but then the more I delved into it, the more I was like, actually, diet culture is just an aspect, right? Like there is an intersectionality. To it. There are different layers to it. So I mentioned growing up in a very white town in southwestern Ontario um, and being Asian, you know, totally sticking out. Right. And this idea of wanting to fit in. But how am I going to fit in with a bunch of white girls? Right. Like it's not going to happen. But when you're young, you start internalizing that. Right. And and not having any sort of representation in, in media. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like no one's going to love me because I don't have blonde hair and like a high nose and, you know, like all of these things. Um So that starts affecting like how we accept ourselves too, right? And how we love ourselves. Because if we're constantly wanting to be something else or if we want to be someone else, like it's never going to end up with us 
actually loving ourselves as we are, right? Like if we're constantly trying to lose, you know, five, 10 pounds, we're never going to accept ourselves as we are. And we're always trying to achieve this goal. Um, And wouldn't life be a lot easier if we just, you know, just accepted and loved ourselves as we are so that we can then be amazing in other things and we can spend our time and energy, like, you know, doing amazing, wonderful things for ourselves and for other people, you know, we can change the world if we, if we like actually focused on that stuff instead of worrying about things that we couldn't change or don't have like direct control over. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think representation a hundred percent matters, right? Mm-hmm. Because back then I don't think I grew up seeing this representation, seeing Hispanic Latinas in the U S or in Mexico. Wherever. Mm-hmm. So I never saw this. And of course you compare yourself to others, which is not good, but when you're younger, you don't know better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, a hundred percent. We need that representation in order to be able to realize that we're able to do everything we want, not everything at once. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, like I mentioned, you know, like race and like the diet culture, but then there's also, you know, if you are queer or, you know, neurodivergent, like there's so many layers that affect who we are as people and how we perceive ourselves. Right. Because if we're comparing ourselves to quote unquote, what is normal and finding ourselves different or lacking, then there's always going to be that like that disconnect, that struggle. Um, so yeah, so lots of things to consider when it comes to when it comes to body acceptance and self love. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are some of the most significant um, transformations you've seen in people who have embraced uh, intuitive eating as a gateway? Yeah, so some of my clients who have you know fully embraced intuitive eating, right? Like they. They've just, I don't know, like I find that they have more joy, right? Because there isn't this struggle to be something that they're not, right? And it's not like they're not struggling to follow these rules and these diets and um, like all of these things that come you know, it it doesn't come easy, right? Like, because it's going against our nature, right? Like when it's like, when it's your intuition and the self that you're trying to align with, it's a lot easier to do that. And it's a lot more sustainable because it's, it's you. But if you're constantly listening to other people and other sources outside of you, those goalposts are always changing, right? So you're never going to be enough, right? And so people who have embraced intuitive eating, like, you know, I, I say that it's a gateway because in intuitive eating, eating itself is like, it's a primal thing. Like we all need to eat in order to survive. Um, and so if you cannot identify something, you know, so primal as hunger, um, as fullness, right? Like if you can't identify what it is that you're craving, how else are you going to identify the other areas of your life? You know, like the people that you surround yourself with, like the kind of jobs that you do, like it all kind of links in together. And so um, people who do intuitive eating, like when you're tapped in with the self, when it comes to eating, then you're more likely to tap into other parts of yourself. Right. And then that starts like having like this like ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. So uh, do you have any tips that have helped you personally to uh, foster a culture of self-acceptance and self-love around you? Ooh, (laughs) 
get all the help you can get. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <are> well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I do not think I know that I would not be here without therapy mm. and without coaches and without friends, you know, learning to set boundaries. Oh, yeah. Like, what is it that you want? You know, even identifying that, like for a lot of people, it's like, you know, I'm not happy with my life. Okay. What do you want? I don't know. And it's, that's something that you need to know. Like you need to to do, right? Exactly. Take the initiative. Exactly. Because if you don't know what you want, then you can't go for it. You can't start doing the little things that will get you to that point. Mm -hmm. It's like driving a car. If you don't know your destination, you're just going to be driving around, wasting gas, right? And like wasting your time. So you really need to be specific in what you want. And we normally, I th- I believe that it's super helpful to have other people in your network to help you realize that because if you are, if you've been stuck, if you've been, um, you know, in a rut, it's very difficult to get out of because it just feels so hopeless. It feels so like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. So I'm not going to. Yeah, definitely a community, a supportive community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then as you're going through that, you're going to recognize that certain people will fall away. Oh, yeah. And that's totally okay. It's not a reflection of your worth and who you are as a person. It's a sign that like you are learning about yourself and that, you know, these people no longer. They don't I don't want to use the term serve you because that sounds so like transactional, but like you're going to find people who are more aligned to you. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So tips to have more of that is if more self-love and body acceptance is, is to really surround yourself with a support network. Um, and just knowing that this is a work in progress, it's not going to happen overnight. Some days you're going to be like, damn, I am a bloody queen right like I am like on top of the world I'm hot I'm you know I know what I'm doing life is great but then other days you're gonna just be like oh I can't get out of bed it's rainy (laughs) it's (laughs) exactly and then that's also okay right this is being human and it's be, part of the experience accepted, right like okay, exactly yeah it's not a good day as it was yesterday i don't feel as great as i felt yesterday but it's okay yeah it's part of the process exactly exactly yeah. exactly and it's all like learning too right okay like why why is today such a shit day mm-hmm. right like can i make it better tomorrow yeah what can i do yeah right and if you cannot make it better the same day it's okay if you yeah. just want to be in bed and eat Tacos, chips, eat oh whatever God. makes you feel better. Tacos in it. bed. <laughs> that would be so messy, <laughs> but so satisfying. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the juicy sauces. Oh, I can just imagine it. Just getting like oil stains on the bed. Oh, <laughs> can be so good. <laughs> Tacos in bed. That's. I'm definitely going to try that. You know, this is hashtag goals. <laughs> Give me a taco in bed. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so to conclude, if you were to write a book, what would, what would it be about? And in which chapter would you currently be in? Oh. Tacos in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How do I get tacos in bed? 
um, without me having to cook it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I want someone oh, yeah. to serve it to me. Yeah. I, can do that. <laughs> I want someone to serve it to me. Um, if I were to write a book, what would it be about and what chapter would I be in? I thought about this earlier and I had a really good answer, but now I've forgotten it. Um, what would my book be about? I think my book would basically be about, yeah, being an immigrant kid mm -hmm. in southwestern Ontario and just doing the things that are unconventional in order to figure herself out. Oh, wow. yeah. Because I feel that people have this idea of what their life should be you know, go to university or college, um, graduate, get a job, buy a flat date, get married, have kids, you know, all of this stuff. And I have done none of that. I mean, I went to university and then that's pretty much as far as it went. It's your own journey. <laughs> it's my own journey. And also not being afraid to like take risks, mm -hmm. right? Like um, I have taken a lot of risks moving different countries changing career like you know later in life um just rejecting this idea that like i needed to get married and have kids and settle down like what does settle down mean like why like that sounds so boring to me <laughs> you know for some people it's great but for me i'm just like mm, nah that's not for me dog um so yeah so i think that's what i would write about is like is like it's okay to be unconventional. Yes. Um, and in the end, like it was, it was how I, how I found the, the, the core of myself, right? Like instead of fitting into like this template or this cookie cutter pattern, it was more like, I'm just going to splash out and see what happens. Because this is you, because this is Lynn and this is my own journey. Exactly. And the world is so big and there's so many possibilities, right? Like I used to lament about the fact that, oh, sometimes I kind of wish that like, you know, my generation was a little bit more like my parents where it was like, you just get married and settle down and then that's it for the rest of your life. Like, I almost feel like we have too many choices now mm -hmm. and it's really difficult um, to just make a choice. But then it's kind of like, well, if this doesn't work, we can always just do something else. Yeah. It's not permanent. Yeah, yeah. So. So I love it. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so what are some of the projects or goals we can expect from Lynn in the near future? <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited to announce that I'm actually starting a seven week program um, starting in November. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited. It's called Coming Home. Okay. And it's basically a journey to body acceptance. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a seven week program. Like I said, there is going to be a one-to-one -one coaching session with me to start. And then we're going to have four, um, like community circles so that we can share stories. There's so much power in sharing stories with other people. Um, it really drives home the point of like, you know, we're not alone in this, you know, like we, you have other people to talk to other people who actually have the same experience. Right. So there's that. And then there's going to be like different exercises, like journaling and like meditation and stuff like that. So that's going to be all part of it. So I'm really excited. Um, it starts in November 
And it goes up until I think like the 19th of December. So it's perfect for like the holidays, which can be so triggering for people, right? Like, you know, to go home and and to have people comment on how you look, like it just comes so easily to them. And it's just like, can you not talk about my body? Um, so, so if anyone has that kind of experience, like this program will definitely help you. It'll give you some tools um, that you can kind of like pull up when you really need it. And also just to talk about it, right? Like just to have someone listen um, with a with an ear that isn't judgmental, you know? So creating that safe space for people is really important. So yeah, I'm excited to announce that. All the best and success for thank this. You. And for everything you do, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you and so much. And we appreciate you and <laughs> wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for all the listeners for listening. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.